Yeah. It can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace, at least. In a better spot to settle. My brother said the Americans haven't got it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show, Community Spread. I'm your host, Kevin Lundell. And on the pod today, we have a very special guest, Decker Yazzie. And you've heard that name before on the pod because he is the creator of our artwork. And it's just such a pleasure to have him on. Uh, Decker is, in his words, a full-blooded Navajo. And he grew up on a Native American reservation down in uh, Arizona near the Four Corners area. And Decker's upbringing was hard. And he went through a lot. And you're going to get to hear a little bit about his struggles and his overcoming those struggles. And, you know, a lot of those struggles are because of the kind of destitute nature. And in his words, he put it, the living on a reservation is like living in a third world country. And so next week, we're actually going to have on the pod, Dr. Catherine McKay, who is a professor at Weber State University who teaches Native American history. And so I'm really excited to have her on as well um, in the future to talk a little bit about how these uh, the reservations became that way and made it so Decker had a lot of the struggles. And you're going to find out a lot of his struggles are there specifically because, uh, you know, the reservation is is away from a lot of the normal economy of, of the United States, and it causes uh, some a lot of struggles and in, in, in ways that his family can't get some of the help that it might need in really, really tough times. So we got a great episode. Decker's an amazing person, and I am just so uh, lucky that we were able to have him on the show. I know you guys will enjoy this conversation. But as per usual, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about what I've been thinking about and what I've been learning. I've been listening to a podcast from the Washington Post called Constitutional, and one of the episodes on this podcast was about a story uh, that I didn't know anything about, and it's about a Supreme Court case with uh, a man by the name of Chief Standing Bear. And this story all starts back in 1877 in January, and this is a tribe uh, known as the Ponca Native Americans. There's about 700 of them. And they are living in, in Nebraska. They've lived in this, on this land for over 200 years. They have two U.S. Senate treaties that say they are the rightful owners of this land. And one day in January, uh, somebody from the U.S. government comes and tells them that they have to move that they have to move from these sacred, sacred lands uh, to Oklahoma, which is 600 miles to the south. Now, lands to Native American, it is, it is everything to them. It's sacred to them. Uh, nothing's more sacred uh, in Native American culture uh, than where they're dead or buried. And they have seven sacred burial grounds in this in this area, one of them is known as the White Chalk Cliffs, and it overlooks the Missouri River. And these cliffs rise about 300 feet over the over the river. You can just imagine what what that looks like and how beautiful it is. Well, they're asked to leave these lands, and after a couple months protest, uh, where they like, they try to they're saying no, we're not leaving. The U.S. government starts to cut off their food and water supply. 
And pretty soon the situation becomes untenable. And so they decide to leave and, and they're marched with bayonets at their back 600 miles to the south. And when they arrive there, uh, it's July, it's hot, it's humid, the kind of conditions that they've never faced before. Uh, with very little food, no shelter, there's no farming tools. Um, there are mosquitoes and uh, these mosquitoes have carry malaria. And after about a year, a third of the tribe uh, is dead. And this includes Standing Bear's only son. His name was Bear Shield. And when he's on his deathbed, he tells his dad, promise me, promise me you'll take me back and you'll bury me at the White Chalk Cliffs. So on January 2nd, 1879, Standing Bear decides that he's going to take his son and make the 600-mile, four-month journey across frozen plains to go and bury his son at the White Cliff burial, burial grounds. Well, two days from reaching their destination, they get arrested. And they get arrested for leaving their reservation. And they're told to turn around and march back. And there's a uh, a brigadier general, his name is uh, General Cook, and he is in charge of marching them back. And he sees the, I mean, they've just made a, a, a 600 mile journey and they're frozen, they're frostbitten, they're in bad shape. And he has a, you know, he has a conscience and he decides to tip off the press about what's going on here. And the press starts writing about the plight of these people. And to make a, a long story short, uh, Chief Standing Bear ends up in the Supreme Court fighting for his rights. And at the heart of this case is whether or not the U.S. government considers Native American persons as a human, as a person. Because if they are considered a person, then they are entitled, entitled to rights. And so it, they debate this, whether this Native American is a person. And there's this moment at the end of the trial where Chief Standing Bear is allowed to speak. And he has this amazing moment where he, he rises to his feet and he puts out his hand. And he says, that hand is not the color of yours, but if I prick it, the blood will flow and I should feel pain. The blood is, is of the same color as yours. God made me and I am a man. He carries on and he shares this, uh, this kind of poetic metaphor as he says uh, that he feels like he's standing on a bank of a great river and as a flood rises. And he says on the other side is his homeland and his freedom. And he says, I see the light of the world and liberty just ahead. But in the center of the path, there stands a man. Behind him, I see soldiers in numbers, like the leaves of the trees. If that man gives me the permission, I may pass to the life and liberty. If he refuses, I must go back and sink beneath the flood. And as he's pointing at the judge, he says, you are that man. You can imagine how powerful that was in that courtroom uh, for the first time as a Native American fights for his rights. And uh, they win the case. 
And so at this point, uh, Chief Standing Bear only has a, a bag of his son's bones, but he's able to take him and bury him at the bur- sacred burial ground of the White Chalk Cliffs. So this is just, this is in our history. These are the things we need to learn about. Please go to the Washington Post, uh, look up the podcast Constitutional. This episode's called Ancestry and read about the full version of this. Uh, listen, listen to the podcast. It's very powerful. But our history is full of men, women, trying to gain their inalienable rights. And we need to learn about that history because some of those injustices are happening and occurring right now. And if we're going to fight against those injustices, we have to know about them in our past. So with that as our intro, now our conversation with Decker Yazzie. Look how far we all came, we made it to this land, surprise. Though the prophecy says we all been to a bride. Spread the word, let it be known, the heavens set to survive. Right here, live in the flesh. Hey, Decker, it's great to have you on Community Spread. How are you today? I'm good. Hi, Kevin. You know what, guys? This is might be hard to believe, but this is Decker's first Zoom experience. Yes, sir. How's it, go- how's it going so far? It's it's going it's going. I'm all about new experiences these these days. Yeah, that's that's definitely this is a new experience. You know, I mean, as of a month ago, this is a new experience for me too. Trying to uh, record a podcast, and um, it's been great though. Just learning about other people and their experiences, and that's what it's all about uh, us today here with you. And I'm really excited because you created our artwork uh, that yes. is the cover work for our podcast. Tell us about that. What was that like? Oh, it was amazing. Um, I, I've actually been doing, working with the community with my art and utilizing that to uh, something positive. And I just love hearing people's ideas and, and you know, working with them and, 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 and you know, like two energies are, are better than one. And, 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 and one person will come up with an idea another one. Will, oh, yeah, that reminds me of this, you know. And, uh, absolutely. It's all about creating and, col- and collaboration, huh? And have fun. And have so, fun. I love that. I love that. You know, someone once asked me, like, where do you find your your guests? And uh, do you have somebody that arranges that for you? And I was like, nope. I just uh, randomly ask people. And so Decker and I have not known each other very long, but um, I just randomly uh, asked him because, and I found out, I found Decker through randomly asking somebody else who I thought might know somebody locally uh, in our communities of color that may do artwork. So I just randomly asked around and somehow I ran into Decker and, and now we've met in person uh, a couple of times and he's just a great guy. Um, he is uh, a Native American and he is, as he put it to me, a full-blooded Navajo and he grew up on a Native American reservation. And I tell you what, you know, I've lived 37 years and I know absolutely nothing about what life is like on a Native American reservation. And so if, if, and I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, you know, I'm kind of a guy that gets around and talks to people. And if I don't know anything, then I'm sure there's a lot of other people that don't know and could be informed and educated about what life is like uh, on a Native American reservation. So Decker, could you just tell us uh, maybe one of your earliest memories that that shed some light about what it was like uh, growing up on a Native American reservation? Um. It's it's hard. It's rough. It's um, we're 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 kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and 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 
some people have electricity and running water and others don't. And depending upon where you live and your location and, and like, for example, my grandmother, she, she lives kind of in a more remote area. So we, we had to like haul water for her and, and chop wood and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's looking at pictures and maybe even possibly going back to visit every now and then being away gone for so long. It's, 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 it's kind of sad. It's like, it's like a third world country and yes. And it's, it's, it's kind of always been that way, but growing up, you know, you just, you know what you know, you know what you're given. And, and, and so you make the best of it. And family was, was, was pretty much all we had, you know? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us about your family and, and uh, how many in your family and and growing up and what, and what, what, what your experiences were. Well, my, my mom, uh, my mom, her name was Sadie and my dad's name was Robert. And they were both government workers and they worked for the government for a very long time. And my, my dad actually uh, served in the Korean conflict. Yeah. He, he almost lost his leg in the war and he, they put a titanium rod in his, to replace his femur and brought him home. And I, I basically just turned all, all the boys into his little soldiers. So that's kind of how that happened. And, and, um, their history and their legacy and their family, they're all back there. So it's, it's actually, uh, see, and I never really knew much about this because my dad really didn't talk about much, um, except when he was drinking. And I, I think that's kind of where like a, a lot of the, the, the shell shock and, and, and trauma of, of the war, possibly even his, his past his his childhood. I don't know, but, um, that would also uh, come into play as well. Yeah. Uh, so tell me, where exactly is is the reservation you grew up on? Arizona. Uh, it's, I, I hear it's the, about the size of Ireland. Um, it's it's in the four corners. Uh, what do you got? Utah, uh, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. And our 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 reservation was was on the res- uh, in Arizona. Northern Arizona. So it's, it's, it's probably hot, deadly hot down there and oh, yeah. kind it's of desert country. Dust bowl. Yes. Yes, sir. But yeah. What are, what are summers like uh, when you're, when you're there? It's, it's, and, what, and what was your house like? Tell us what, tell us what your house was like. Go th- like how many, how many people are in your house at the time and what, and, and what is it like in the summer? What does it feel like? I, well, I, I had four older brothers, one older sister, and I was the youngest. And me and my sister paired up more often only because we were the two, the two youngest out of three. And, uh, yeah, the environment, I mean, it, it, it snowed. It, we, we had all four seasons, but dude, where's the grass? There's like no grass, you know, and <laughs> you don't have, you don't have memories like me of being in a big grassy park and, no, and uh, <laughs> playing baseball. <laughs> Right, right. Kind of makes it hard to ride a skateboard. Um, <laughs> That's a good visual. We, we lived in uh, modular homes, and um, we went to public schools. And our parents taught us. I, I, apparently, they must have taken a group conscience and made a decision to not teach us ch- their children uh, Navajo. 
and they just wanted to excel in, in, in the public school system. And, and as, now I look at it as, as just, you know, they were kind of just pro uh, assimilation, you know, preparing us for, yeah, yeah. So are there two, is there a, a school on the reservation and some people choose to go to the school on the reservation and some people choose to go to a public school? How, tell me about that. Is that? Yeah, there, there are public schools as well that, that, that are kind of in the vicinity or location of where you live, but then the, the more remote areas, they have a, a school bus come and pick them up and stuff. So looking back at that, that's like so hard, you know, um, I, I think that's the reason why they also had boarding schools was to kind of fix that remedy, remedy that solution um, or that problem. Um, so yeah, boarding schools are where they actually got to go and stay for like a whole school term. And then summertime, they get to go back to their family and, and, and live that life for summertime and then go back to boarding school, come start up school time. Interesting. Um, and how, and how, big, how big is the, how big is the community? Uh, I would say, I don't know, 5,000. You know most you you know most of people in your community when it's a community of five thousand probably huh? Yeah, and we, we sure didn't have any mailmen either. We 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 had PO box systems, and I'm not quite sure how that works. Beans, beans, I'm a mailman. You know, you think about that stuff. And, and but. <laughs> interesting. Well, so tell me, you know, you you hinted a little bit about there that your your dad, um, you know, he comes back from the war. He's got some trauma from the war. Uh, you met, you talked about him drinking. Um, you tell us about your family life there. And, and, and is this, tell us about, yeah, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, he, my, my father battled a lot of, uh, cause like when he would like drink or, or whatever, and he would get to a point to where he would, um, you don't know what he was talking about or yelling about or being angry about, you know, but, but a lot of it was, it was the war. And, um, he, uh, yeah, that it just inflicts trauma on everyone, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, our mom was obviously classic Al-Anon, you know, and, and, and she's just trying to keep, keep the ship afloat, you know, and, um, so yeah, it's just, it's the vicious cycle, you know, and then we just, with five kids, you know, every, every, every person in that, in the household kind of plays a little their part, you know, and you just kind of go from there. And, and what, and what was your mom like as she's trying My to was, keep, keep the family together? And what'd you say? Yeah, she, she was government worker. She had, uh, she tended with a lot of kind of, she's kind of like a house den mother for, for a bunch of Indian girls. And, and, um, like I said, you know, she, now that I'm older, you know, you, you hear stories about your parents and stuff, or you, or you, or you look at old pictures and stuff. And my sister's my memory this nowadays, you know, she helps me remember uh, things that had happened and what was said and how things were dealt with. And, and um, cause a lot of that thing, a lot of that stuff, I think I just kind of blanked it all out, you know? Hmm. Interesting. And, um, so she, uh, your, your mom's raising you guys, you got, you got five kids and your, and your dad there. And, um, tell me, tell me 
what your family uh, dynamic is like and, and do you guys have, I mean, I guess kind of what we're trying to figure out is like, do you, what's your living like? Do you have money? Do you have your basic necessities? Do you have what, you know, what, what do you have? What do you, what, what's your day-to-day life like? Well, I wouldn't say that we were poor, um, but living amongst white people, we probably would be considered poor. <laughs> in that in that environment, you know, I, I think that we were we were just doing the best with what we had, you know. And and uh, I remember, um, I mean, yeah, we 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 lived pretty pretty good lives, childhood wise, you know. We 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 had motorcycles and 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 uh, skateboards and ping pong balls and and uh, very athletic, you know. All my brothers were athletic and. Uh, so yeah, we we just kind of found the stuff to do, you know, to occupy our time and 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 live life, you know. And are your parents still on the reservation or they had passed um our mom passed when at a very young age. She she was like in her 30s and Whoa. she kind of got sick all of a sudden and we took her to the hospital and they had to kind of like rush her out into a bigger hospital that, that had the proper uh, mach- machines to take, take care of her. And uh, three days later she died. And that was, it, it was just kind of out of the blue. It was just like, wow, what happened here? You know? And, and so, yeah, that kind of put us on the upside down. Wow. And, and how old were you at the time? I was 10. Wow. 10 years old, 10 years old and you, and you lose your mother and, um, and your, your dad is suffering with some traumatic stress from the war. And so what's life like as you, after, after mom's gone, sorry to hear that by the way, deepest condolences, man. That's, I can't even imagine. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we just, I, th- I think my dad just kind of disappeared for a while and, and uh, kind of just checked out and long story short, uh, they kind of proved him fit unfit to be a, a, a parent, a legal guardian to take care of us. So we were like really, really close to uh, going to foster families and that was tough, man. I, 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 I re, I'm starting to remember a lot of that stuff. And, and, uh, I'll never forget. There was, a, it was a native American judge and he had, he had a robe on, he had the long hair and it was all white and you know, he poster child, you know, native American dude. And he made a decision being that my older brother who was 17 at the time was soon to be 18. Uh, he kind of gave him like Proctor guardian for until he became legal at 18 and looking back at that now I was like wow what 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 a lot of responsibility to put on a 17 year old you know and because you know when, when you're in all that stuff all you're thinking about is yourself and, and, and your pain your problems and stuff and but once you kind of come out to the other side and you have a little more you step back and look at the whole situation you know it's like wow you start seeing you know what how it affected each and every family member, you know? And so that's kind of how things went. You know, we, 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 we learned how to, uh, 
communicate and 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 uh, compromise and all that stuff just kind of went out all, out the window um, with uh, one older brother and, and and the other two brothers. They kind of rebelled right away, saying, "You know, we're not going to do this. You know, we're not going to. You know, why did you put me on this detail?" And and I'll never forget that. It was like they just broke out in a fight, and that was our first house meeting. And so as soon as that happened, I'm just like, I'm out of here, you know. And, and my sister was the same way. I'm out of here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I even. Have, I mean, I can't imagine. I have, go ahead. Go go ahead. What I we even had uh, the middle brother shut down and stop talking to uh, to me and to another brother. Um, so for like three and a half years, and we lived in the same house. So wow. Yeah. And, and so I can't imagine, I mean, think about thinking about your brother, like you guys are, are about, you're in front of a judge, you know, possibly going to foster care and your brother at 17 becomes your guardian um, as your dad is, is struggling uh, with PTSD and, and alcohol and, and things. Was, was he at that time, do you know, I mean, you're pretty young at this time, but do you, can you remember if, if there was any help for him um, you know, were there, were there any ways for him to get help, uh, for the, the traumas that he was dealing with? Um, probably not. Uh, a lot of, I have a lot of uncles who, who, who went to war. Um, yeah, they, they all kind of came back kind of pretty, pretty banged up, pretty damaged. And looking back, I don't, I don't really even think there were resources back then. Um, there might have been, but uh, even if there was, you know, it's still kind of up to that individual to kind of make that decision themselves, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one thing, one stigma I, I know about Native American culture is that this is something that a lot of the men struggle with uh, is alcoholism. And is that is that true? Is that something that was that was happening with your your friends and neighbors, parents or your friends and neighbors? Oh yeah. It's just, it's just a way of life, you know? And, uh, even a dysfunctional life is, it seems, but a normal one to, to the person, to the people who are living in it, you know, hmm. and we, we don't know no better. And, uh, so you just learn, you learn how to survive, you know, and, 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 and obviously family therapy wasn't, wasn't an option. Um, like I said, the reservation, you, you just can't like get on a phone and, 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 and find, find a therapist here in town and, and, and drive to, you know, 10, 15 minute drive and, and let's go do therapy. You know, it's, it's the reservation is, is, uh, yeah, you got to kind of got to have a, like a newer vehicle and, and it takes forever to drive from point A to point B. And, and so it's pretty desolate, pretty remote. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is, you know, something that it seems like anyone in an economically destitute place, it, these communities sort of suffer from these similar problems. So, you know, uh, poor communities obviously have these, these uh, gaps where they're, they don't have the access to the kind of uh, care that they need. And so it's not necessarily a Native American problem, but uh, also an, an economic problem. Uh, that leads to some of some of these problems. Tell us how you so uh, you 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 lived in in your childhood. 
this way growing up you're, without your mother and, and your dad? And, and how did you kind of tell, lead us to where you are now? How'd you get to where you are now? Because you're an awesome dude in an awesome place. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, our, our dad kind of, what one good, uh, he taught us a lot of good things. But one of the good things he taught us was, yeah, to get up, make your bed, you know, and uh, go to school and and uh, respect your elders. And and so it, 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 he just kind of gave us a, a solid foundation to do that and, and, and to go to school, you know, and, and, and what else are you going to do? You know, I mean, play hooky and, and you save that for high school. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, yeah, it just, uh, like I said, all my brothers were athletic. Uh, that's probably even another incentive to, to, to go to school, you know, got to get good grades. If you want to play basketball or football or, uh, did you play sports? I did. I did. I, I was, in, in fact, uh, I had the opportunity to me and my sister after our mom had passed, we went to an all opportunity to go to all white school. And, um, yeah, I, I I learned uh to play golf and and uh soccer and 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 a, a lot of it, it just it just it sports just came naturally to me and I I enjoy it so much. It's 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 teamwork, you know. It's yeah, I learned I know I learned a lot from sports in in my life for sure. Um, I was I was I was fortunate. I made friends cuz I was good in sports. My sister, on the other hand, she had a harder time and she got teased a lot, picked on it. And she just said, I'm I'm out of here. I'm bouncing. And I'm like, if you're going back to the reservation, I am going with you You know, because that's just the way it is. Wait. So you're you're at this all white school. You've made a bunch of friends. You're playing sports. You're having a great time and your sister's struggling and she doesn't want to stay. And you you just say, "Okay, sis, we're going. Yeah, there were, there are some other dynamics going on where we live too as well, you know, and and uh, so yeah, it's just you go back to what's familiar, you know. Okay, so and so, how did you end up in in uh, northern Utah? <laughs> I uh, I graduated high school and at seventeen and. Uh, three months later, my dad had a sit down with me. In fact, everybody was out of the house. I was, I was, I'm the last one, the youngest. And he just kind of hit me with a, I have no idea how this came out. It came out of nowhere, but he just said, he must've probably practiced these words all night. He said, son, I love you. I don't know what you're going to do, but you can't live here anymore. And so I just said, dude, I'm dad, I'm not even 18 yet. You can't do that, you know? And so obviously I'm trying to defend myself here, you know, give myself some 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 place to stand. Um, but that's just he kept saying that, son, I love you. I don't know what you're gonna do, but you you can't live here anymore. So looking back at it now, I think that he wanted me to join the join the army or join the services and stuff, but I was so mad at him. I uh, I ended up going to college instead, and gave you him rebel. You rebel. You rebel. You rebelled against your dad by going to college. I gave him a peace sign and said, "I'm out of here." You know, and 
I had an opportunity to go to college in the Midwest. And uh, I had a, thank God I had an aunt that lived in Kansas City, which was probably about an hour from uh, Lawrence, Kansas. And that's where I was going to school. And uh, so I had the opportunity also. Um, oh, and, and this college was actually uh, Haskell Indian Junior College, which was actually all Native American uh, from all across the country. Really? So in my, in my but prior to that, in my mind, I, I probably only guessed, I don't know, 10 or 20 tribes in, in the country. And uh, I, I was going to school with over 250 tribes, people that represented their tribe. And, and it's pretty, pretty awesome. What a neat, what a neat experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you think, do you think your dad, like when he says that to you, son, you can't live here. Do you think it's his way of saying like trying is he trying to get you out of the community is he is his way of of saying like your 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 life has got to be different than mine what what do you think what do you think he's he was trying to get at by forcing you out of the house at 17 years old yeah just forcing me to fly you know and and i'm sure he was hoping that i would do well you know obviously it's it's, it's hard, like I said, living on the reservation, and we we never really had anything left there to to stay for, you know. And I I think he had the foresight of and the wisdom to kind of give me a little push start, you know. Wow, I can't I can't even fathom that. I mean, you know, I'm a father. I have an eight year old and a six year old, and. Uh, I want nothing more than uh, for them to be successful and life and uh, move right next door, <laughs> you know? And, and so for him to, and to feel like it's necessary for you to fly, to leave your culture and your community, that's just gotta be really, really hard. It's, it's, it is. And you just kind of, roll with the punches, you know, you just do what you have to do, figure it out, you know, and that's kind of what he did. He kind of just threw me out into life and, and, and life, you just kind of learn how to sink or swim and, and, and fight or flight or whatever, you know, but I'm, I'm very grateful for all that. I, I, I got to forgive my dad and, and, and go through, uh, the, 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 the 12 step process of uh recovery and um so yeah that, that's I, I i graduated college i lived in kansas city for wait, wait hold on hold on hold on hold on so <laughs> tell us about that like so you you, you your dad you grew up with your dad who was an alcoholic and then did you just just kind of tell us a little bit that you you had some challenges with that yourself and went through recovery yourself i did i did um I got clean and sober when I was 23 years old and uh, got off a bus on a Sunday and November 3rd of 1989, I believe it was. And, and uh, took my, my luggage suitcase up to 529 25th, which was actually called the Utah Alcoholism Foundation at the time. And that was my home for nine months. And uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And you've been yeah. clean and sober for how long now? Third, I just celebrated third, uh, 30 years. Uh, Congratulations. 
Congratulations. That's, that's, that's incredible. Uh, okay. So, so fast forward us, your, your college in the Midwest, how do you get back to, how do you get back to Northern Utah and what have you made for your life now? I, I was, I, when I graduated college, I was going to go into heating and cooling. And my, my dream job was to work in Phoenix because, you know, it's, it's air conditioners everywhere, you know, and, and, and <laughs> I had that, that vision that I wanted to do that, you know, and, and, uh, plus they got cool concerts. They have a outdoor, con- great outdoor concerts in Phoenix. Um, but my sister had given me a call and she was living up here in Logan and she was also going to school up at USU. And um, she had told me that her husband had killed himself. And so I just kind of dropped what I was doing and I said, all right, what do you want me to do? You know? And she said, this is a pattern for you, Decker. This is a pattern for you is do help and help and sis. And, and I can't, you know, Lots of lots of tragedy seems to follow your way, and um, but uh, tell, Kevin, so it, you go. It, it works both ways. She she was there for me so many times too. Mm. Wow, that's what family's for. Yeah, so you go, you 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 run right to your sister, and uh, I, I get a job. I I, I help her. Um, yeah, we just kind of learn how to. We get a plan going and, and and I need a job and so I get a job and, and I was working as a cattle driver at, at, at a beef packing plant and um, I did that for about 18 months and within that 18 months I had probably accumulated uh, I don't know two two or three DUIs a couple public intoxes um, and the final one was where the actually I know I'll never I'll still remember his name. His name's Judge uh, Judkins from uh, Logan, and he had a uh, he gave me the option of uh, going to prison or going to uh, seeking help, getting treatment. So I said, Ah, treatment sounds a lot better than prison. So um, that kind of lit the fire under me, and and. It's, but I never knew I was an alcoholic. I, I probably did, but you, you know, you don't really know the definition of an alcoholic or, or, or how that applies to you, you know. And uh, yeah, living life sober is 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 pretty scary, you know. Starting over that way, and and and. But I I I, I hung in there and and I stuck it out, and um, here I am. <laughs> Well, wow, man, what, what a life. And what are you doing? What are you doing now? You're, you're doing, you're doing your artwork, obviously. Um, I've always done artwork. No, no training. I never went to art school. Uh, I just, just love the draw. And, uh, I, I take sketchbooks into AA meetings or speaker meetings and, 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 and just draw people. And, and if, if I think they look, comes out pretty good, I'll stop them after the meeting and give it to them, you know, and just stuff like that, you know? Uh, that's really neat so you're still you're still going to aa meetings and helping in that not, community as well not so much as it is it's like a whole new generation now Kevin. and it's it's a lot more you know drugs since then have have, have kind of taken over and and, and uh hmm. kind of convoluted the whole aa thing you know i mean I, I i got sober in 89 so they were still smoking in meetings and you know it's 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 I'm glad I had the opportunity to, to to get 
to go through that back then because they were they were pretty pretty tough. They were pretty rough. You know, take yeah. take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth, and and you know, and and you gotta, you, well, you, there's really nothing you know about sober, so you really need to just listen. You know, and, and interesting. So you're yeah. you're uh, you're you're doing artwork, and what are you doing for what are you doing for a profession right now? I am a mailman. I'm a letter carrier. And, awesome. And I've been doing that for five years, and it. Mind you, uh, I just kind of want to give a shout out to all the mail carriers. They, and, and, and even in the public, thank your mailman. It's 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 a hard, brutal, fast-paced job. Um, you just kind of got to learn how to stay in your lane and 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 just do the best you can, you know. And that that's great too because it gives me an opportunity to uh, to to have a connection with the community. And, and 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 give up service and um, and meet people because that's that was the hardest thing I think recovery has ever taught me was just learning how to connect with people and feel good about myself you know feel like I belong and without the twelve steps uh, and you know taking a personal inventory and and and, and designing a, a god of your own. Uh, Everything's really structured, but you got to start at step one, you know, and, and you got to go all the way. To, you got to do all 12 steps. Otherwise, you know, the, the, the magic doesn't happen. And and it's just a process. You know, you just learn how to live life, incorporating all that into your life and day to day. Well, Decker, I without a doubt, I would not have had the opportunity to meet you had you not been the kind of person that influences other people around you. So that when I reached out, they were like, I know the guy, I know the guy that does the artwork and he's an awesome guy. So, uh, it's, uh, I really, uh, appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I have learned, I've learned a lot. Uh, and I think others will too. So I, I really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to, you would like somebody that's listening to this to know about, about your story, about life on a reservation or, uh, or about, about anything? I just want to take this time to uh, thank all my friends. Um, this th- this year hasn't really been all that great. Uh, it's for everyone, you know. For and, anybody. Just, yeah, yeah. But to top it off, mine was anyway. I was I was at a pretty low point in my life, and thank God for friends that just kind of held me up, you know, and reminded me of. Uh, who I am and cause I know who I am. I know what I am, but whenever you're in a predicament where you're questioned about certain things or, or, you know, you're, you may be scrutinized or something. Um, yeah, you just, you lean on friends, man. And I just, I just want to thank, thank all of them. They, they knew, <clears throat> they know who they are. And, uh, yeah, I'm just all about meeting new people and, and having new experiences and, and, Zoom's pretty, pretty cool. All right. Well, well, thank you for, for that. And, and that is what this is about, you know, community spread and, and spreading community. Decker, you're, a, you're an important part of our community. Uh, so we appreciate your voice and having the opportunity to, to share with you. So you have a wonderful night. Thank you, Kevin. Good night. And that's a wrap for the show today. Thanks for everybody for listening. Big shout out to Decker for uh, coming on the podcast today and for sharing with us his story and also for sharing with us his art. 
And as always, thanks to August the Great for our amazing theme music. Love hearing that every time we queue up that podcast. Uh, so don't forget to punch that subscribe button, rate us on iTunes, and tell a friend about the pod. We'd love to share community spread. Thanks, guys. I hear the cell gets a clip for real. Don't let me get in these facts. I dip. The government supplying the people crack for chip. Brainwashing the folks, every single cat's asleep. Though that Jim Crow side of it trapping a mind state. And it seemed like we had a peak of the crime rate. My brothers, yo, listen, our sisters go missing. And we down on the daily, some kill for the dime sake. I'd rather tell the truth while kicking this rhyme straight. Half the people illiterate, can't read or write. Try to enlighten them, they tell you we don't need your life. See how early we leave college, straight up to the gig. We don't get to graduate, we get trade up to the league with no second plan. Hoping we got it made into a big. We need more doctors and lawyers, politicians and that. If you feel this in your heart, then I'm probably kicking the fat to shade. And they talk through your power and shout here. Everybody's dead broke and impoverished, shout sweat. I leave the everyday life based on mad wishes. The only jobs they have was provided by bad bitches. They'd rather get some brain than law that broad knowledge. Can't pay back selling me, and we can't afford college. Around here, the stake is always high, so they bang. Screaming, fuck the law. They'd rather leave and die for their gangs. They got nothing to lose, but they sick with hate. Mad at the world, we got a bone to peak with fate. So, white privilege. For the kids to the slave master We were left for dead designer Hit the great faster It's a setup And we ain't meant to survive Look how far we don't came We made it to this land of surprise Though the prophecy says We all been to a bride Spread the word Let it be known The heavens set to survive Right here live in the flesh That's real Americans ever got a ghetto <laughs> Volume 1